Hi, witches. I know this is usually where I put a little quip or funny thing that we've said throughout the podcast. Um, However, uh, as I'm editing, I did notice that I did say that it was five and seven weeks. But as I am getting this episode out late, um, my own bad, I'm so sorry, Um, it is four and six weeks for those uh, emails. So, Please get those out. So, welcome to the 45th episode of the True North Witches podcast. Now, You know what I'm going to say, because I'm going to just keep repeating myself. So, in five weeks, we have a creepy cast going down, because we had to switch them out this time around. So, in five weeks, we have a creepy cast going down. So, please, get in your creepy, weird, odd, different stories into our True North Witches Gmail. Also, in seven weeks we have our boys answering some questions and we definitely want to hear from you or else we're just gonna have to come up with this some bullshit and it's not gonna be as fun so we would like to hear some questions that you guys have send those also to our true north witches label each of them individually either if you're doing our creepy cast label them with creepy creepy cast or creepy sewed or anything like that and for the question and answers uh label them double trouble or other half double trouble or something like that uh so that we can add those to the podcast and uh you don't have to just just hear us talk all all the time Mm -hmm. which is which is nice okay so Shuffling like a loon over here because I've got teeny tiny fingers and these cards are massive. Okay, so the tarot pull of the day is Justice. Ooh, this is our second major arcana card that we've ever had in a year. That's interesting. And Justice is actually right side up. So... He grabbed that for you. So that's really interesting because we had last time I pulled, we had our first major arcana card, and that was temperance, I believe. And mm-hmm. this is our only our second. And all of the tarot pulls that I have done, we have only gotten two major arcana cards. Yeah. And this one is justice, and it is upright, so it means justice fairness, truth, cause and effect, and law. Hmm. Well then. So I picked my fact today based on kind of a funny at work. Hmm. And the funny at work is next month in my classroom, I'm focusing on the theme of space. And with that, I'm also including um, stuff about the moon. To, um, for my witchy heart's delight. And my coworker, uh, bless her soul, uh, was looking at the worksheets that I found and was like, what the hell is that? 
I was like, oh, like it's the different phases of the moon. What the hell is a waning? What the what the what the hell's a waxing? And I was like, are you, I'm like, are you joking? <laughs> What's a waning gibbous? It was like waning gibbous. Like, <laughs> so I basically kind of on that. And, I, and the reason that my head was down while you did the tarot pull was because I remembered and sent her a funny like a picture explaining all of that. So my kind of fact is um, meanings of the moon, moon's eight phases based on like our witchy stuff um, because we have a lot of people who listen and um, some of them might be new to the craft. So um, new moon is a set, a set intention for, for the, this cycle of the moon. Um, crescent, is, crescent is deep in your resolve. First quarter is take action steps. Gibbous, refine and improve. Full moon is culminate, let realizations come to you. Dissementing, uh, dis uh, express newfound truths. Last quarter, seed your next cycle. And balsamic, return to follow stillness. So that's kind of like my fact for you today. I like that. And I didn't actually have um, a shit my other half has said because he really really hasn't said anything uh rather than the witch's tit comment from mm -hmm. last last time um, so i i don't really have one either but the other day mike was like oh so like i know today today he was like uh i was talking about osara and he's like that that was this weekend right like it already happened he's like no 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 um it's next week and he's like oh Okay, it was like, so oh, it's next week. And see, I remember things. And I was like, okay, yeah. He's like, but I'm recording with you soon, right? And I was like, well, soon-ish. Um, he's like, but yeah, like I'm recording with you. I'm like, no one's really come up with questions. He's like, yeah, but you'll come up with something. We will. We will. Um, Nick has actually sent in questions. Yes. Um, he sent in I a look at them. I did I look at them. There are some good ones in there like but oh, yeah? he has really like it, it wasn't just like when did you learn that she was the, it has some some that will really make those boys think oh we don't want to hurt them <laughs> um i will apologize in advance because they didn't notice when i was editing last time <laughs> so i had to make a psa but um raven yeah, i saw is, that raven is snoring again so if you hear a little doggy snores in the background um that is raven she is yes uh, she's a cute little snorer yes she is our cute little snorer but you can definitely hear her um but she is tired floof because she is a very she has much separation anxiety and daddy's not here so she's uh, mm. curling up to the human that is here um, and uh, she will not move. Not that I'm going to ask um, her so to do so. <laughs> In true, true North Witches fashion, uh, we are continuing on with our March theme, which is Ostara topics. Um, and last week we actually had our full Ostara episode. And this week we are continuing on with Ostara themed. Uh, and I am starting with Freya or Freya or however that you pronounce it. I've heard it pronounced quite a few different ways. So um, 
please, if I say Freya and you pronounce it a different way, do not think that I'm trying to disrespect you. Just know that that's how I pronounce it because pronunciations are difficult for me as we, we know over the last 45, 45 episodes. So Freya, which Old Norse Freya means lady, is one of uh, the preeminent goddesses in Norse mythology. She's a member of the Vanir tribe of deities, but became an honorary member of the Aesir gods after the Aesir Vanir war. Her father is Njord. Her mother is unknown, but could be Nerthus. Freyr is her brother. Her husband, named Oder, in late Old Norse literature, is certainly none other than Odin. And accordingly, Freya is ultimately identical uh, with Odin's wife, Frigg. Freya is famous for her fondness of love, fertility, beauty, and fine material possessions. And because of these uh, pre predilect predilections predilections sorry uh she's considered to be something of the party girl of eosir in one of the edic poems for example loki loki accuses freya probably accurately of having slept with all of the gods and elves including her brother she cert- she's certainly a passionate seeker Uh, after pleasures and thrills, but she's a lot more than only that. Freya is the archetype of the vulva, a professional or semi-professional practitioner of cedar, the most organized form of Norse magic. It was she who first brought this art to the gods, and by extension to humans as well. Given her expertise in controlling and manipulating the desires, health, and prosperity of others, she's a being whose knowledge and power are almost without equal. Freyr presides over the afterlife realm Folkval. According to one Norse poem, she chooses half of the warriors slain in battle to dwell there. Freyr the Volva. Seder is a form of pre-Christian Norse magic and shamanism that involved discerning the course of fate and working within its structure to bring about change, often by symbolically weaving new events into being. This power could potentially be put to any use imaginable, and examples that cover virtually the entire range of the human condition can be found in Old Norse literature. In the Viking Age, the Volvo was a an itinerant seeress and sorceress who traveled from town to town performing commissioned acts of cedar in exchange for lodging food and often other forms of compensation as well. Like other northern Eurasian shamans, her her social status was highly ambiguous. She was by turns exalted, feared, longed for, uh, popular propitiated, celebrated, and scorned. Freya's occupying this role amongst the gods is stated directly in the 
Mialinga saga and indirect hints are dropped elsewhere in the Edas and sagas. For example, in one tale, we're informed that Freya possesses falcon plumes that allow their bearer to shift his or her shape into that of a falcon. During the so-called Walkerung or migration period, roughly 400 to 800 CE, and thus the period that immediately preceded the Viking Age, the figure who would later become the vulva had much more instinctually necessary and universally acclaimed role among the Germanic tri tribes. One of the core societal institutions of the period was the war band, a tightly organized military society presided over by a chieftain and his wife, the wife of the war band's leader, according to Roman historian Tacitus, held the title of Velida, and her role in the warband was to foretell the outcome of a suggested plan of action by means of, a, of divination and to influence that outcome by means of more active magic, as well as to serve a special cup of liquor that was a powerful symbol of both temporal and spiritual power in the warband's periodic ritual feasts. One literary portrait of such a woman comes to us from the medieval Old English epic poem, Beowulf, which recounts the deeds of King Hrogar and his warband in the land that we know today as Denmark. The name of Hrogar's queen, Welhapu, is almost certainly the Old English equivalent of the Proto-Germanic title that Tacitus Latinized as <clears throat> Velida. Werhapio's domestic actions in the poem, which are properly understood in sorry, which are properly understood enactments of the liquor ritual described above, are indispensable for the upkeep of the unity of the warband and its power structures. The poem, despite its Christian veneer, hints at the queen's ocular powers. The Hrogar uh, Wethrew association as presented in the poem is an echo of an earlier, more robust and vigorous uh, politico-theological conception. This politico-theological conception was based on the mythological model provided by the divine pair Friha and Unanas, deities who later evolved into respectively Freya or Frigg and Odin. Unanas is the warband's chieftain and Frigia is its Veleda. In addition to the structural congruencies outlined above, Wellhapau and Freya often own a piece of jewelry with the same name, Old English Rosinga, meaning uh, Mine, and Old Norse Brisingamen, both meaning something like fiery or glowing necklace, that both figures 
offer to the same ancient archetype, whether on the human or the divine plane, is certain. Freya and Frigg. Well, the late or Norse literary sources that form the basis of our, of our current knowledge of pre-Christian Germanic religion present, present Freya and Frigg as being at least nominally distinct goddesses. The similarities between them run deep. Their differences, however, are superficial and can be satisfactorily explained by consulting the history and evolution of the common Germanic goddess whom the Norse were in the process of splitting into Freya and Frigg, sometimes shortly before the conversion of Scandinavia and Iceland to Christianity, which was around the year 1000 CE. As they've noted above, the migration period goddess, who later became Freya, was the wife of the god who later became Odin. While somewhat veiled, this is ultimately still the case in Old North literature. Freya's husband is named Oer, a name which is virtually identical to that of Owen, the North form of Odin. Or means ecstasy, inspiration, for Owen is simply the word or with the masculine defi definite article in added to the end. The two names come from the same word and have the same meaning. Or is an obscure and seldom mentioned character in Old Norse literature. The one passage that tells us anything about his personality or deeds, anything beyond merely listing his name in connection with Freya, comes from the Prose Eda, which states that Or is often away on long journeys and that Freya can often be found weeping tears of red gold over his absence. Many of the surviving tales involving Odin have him traveling far and wide throughout the nine worlds to the point that he's probably more often away from Asgard than within it. Many of Odin's numerous by names allude to his wanderings or are names he assumed to disguise his identity well abroad. Thus, it's hard to see Freya's husband as anything but an only nominally distinct extension of Odin. Freya and Frigg are simili similarly accused of infidelity to their apparently common husband. Alongside the several mentions of Freya's loose sexual practices can be placed the words of the medieval Danish historian Saxerson Grammaticus, who relates that Frigg slept with a slave on at least one occasion. In Lacassena and the Yinlinga saga, Odin was once exiled from Asgard, leaving his brothers Vili and Vi in command. In addition to presiding over the realm, they also regularly slept with Frigg until Odin's return. Many scholars have tried to differentiate between Freya and Frigg by asserting that the former is more promiscuous and less steadfast than the latter, but these tales suggest otherwise. Frigg, <coughs> Frigg is depicted as a vulva herself. Once again, in Lakasena, after Loki's 
Landers Frigg for her infidelity, Freya warns him that Frigg knows the fate of all beings and intimation of her ability to perform satyr. Frigg's weaving activities are likely an allusion to this role as well. And as it turns out, Freya is not the only goddess to own a set of bird of prey feathers for shape-shifting. Frigg is also in possession of one. The word for Friday in Germanic language, including English, is named after Freya, the Proto-Germanic goddess who is the foremother of Freya and Frigg. None of the other Germanic peoples seem to have spoken of Freya as if she were two goddesses. This approach is unique to the Norse sources. It should come as no surprise, therefore, that in the Norse sources, we find a confusion as to which goddess this day should have its namesake, both Freya Judar from Freya and Frigjardar from Frigg are used. The names of the two goddesses are also particularly interesting in the regard in this regard. Freya, lady, is the is a title rather than a true name. It's uh, cognate of the modern German word Frau, which is used in much the same way as the English title Mrs. In the Viking Age, Scandinavian and Icelandic aristocratic women were sometimes called Freyger, the plural of Freya. <clears throat> Frigg, meanwhile, comes from an ancient root that means beloved. Frigg's name, therefore, links her to love and desire, precisely the area of life over which Freya presides. Here again, we can discern the ultimate uh, reducibility of both goddesses to one another. One's name is identical to the other's attributes, and the other name is a generic title rather than a unique name. Clearly, then, the two are ultimately the same goddess. When, why, then, are they presented as nominally distinct in the late Old Norse sources? Unfortunately, no one knows. So, Freya as one of the principal deities of the Norse pantheon. Uh, the loving and enchanting Freya was a goddess of blessings, love, lust, and fertility. One of the principal deities of the Norse pantheon, as we talked about, uh, and a mender, member of the Vanir tribe of deities. Freya shared her people's penchant for the magical arts of divination, and it was Freya who introduced the gods to Cedar, uh, the form of magic, like we spoke about, that was allowed by practitioners to know and change the future. Uh, Freya was gentler and more agreeable than other Norse deities, where Thor accomplished his goals through aggression and Odin and Loki resorted to trickery. Freya achieved her ends with the gentle persuasions of gifts, beauty, and sex. While Freya is often unselfish and helpful, she did have a darker side. Like the male gods, Freya had a taste for blood and fought fiercely in battle. It was said she took the lives of half the warriors ever slain in battle. Freya was known by a normal number of epithets. The variants of her name, uh, Freya, 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 Freya,
uh, among others, whereas dif uh, different as the Germanic languages and dialects of her many worshipers. Thanks in part to these linguistic differences, some interpretations of North mythology believe that Freya to be synonymous with Frigg, like we spoke about, and sometimes Wolveg, the Volva narrator of the Vulaspa, who recounted the Aracel Venere War and predicted the fate of the gods during Ragnarok. Etymology. Meaning the lady, the name Freya was derived from the Proto-Germanic Frahon, uh, honorific title used for a mature woman of high social standing. It was also the root of the word Frau in modern Germany, like we spoke about. Freya was probably first used as an epithet or nickname by one of the Germanic tribes. However, it would eventually gain popularity and become a personal name. Uh, Freya had many epithets and was known as the Giffen, the giver, Horn, Flaxen, uh, probably in reference to her flaxen hair, Mardal, Sea Shaker, Seer, Sow, a creature that stood for fertility, much like Freya herself, and Valfria, Lady of the Slain. Additionally, Friday was likely named after Freya. The word was believed to be a promenade of Freya's day. The one passage that tells us anything about attributes. A leader of the Venera gods, Freya was recognized as the archetypal Volva, a practitioner of Seder whose art and ritual could see events before they happened. The Volva could then attempt to alter these events, leading enemies to their doom and delivering friends from impending disaster. Freya made her home at the palace of Sesrumirnir, a seat room located in the field of Folkvenir, uh, the field of the host, where half of the dead slain in battle were to spend eternity. The other half went to Odin's Hall, Valhalla, and as the small of Poetic in a Red, uh, the ninth is Folkvarnar, where Freya uh, decrees, who shall have seats in the hall, the half of the dead each day does she choose, a half does Odin have. While Freya did not typically wield weapons of war, she did possess many accoutrements, uh, accoutrements of a different sort. One such item was a cloak made of falcon feathers that gave the gift of flight to anyone who wore it. When she was not wearing it herself, Freya lent the cloak to companions and collaborators who agreed to do her bidding. Freya's most prized possession was likely the necklace or torque known as Bringenmen, Gleaming Torque or Amber Torque. Bringenmen was made by dwarves and purchased at a dear price. Freya guarded the necklace from any and all who would be thieves with a fiery passion. In addition to her cloak and gleaming torque, Freya rode a glittering chariot that was pulled by two black or gray domestic cats. She was usually accompanied by her animal familiar, a hog named Hildesvini, meaning battle swine. One of her common epithets, Sir Sow, uh, likely came from her familiarity with Hildesvini. 
Family. Freya was the daughter of Njord, also Njorder, a god of the veneer associated with the sea sailing, fishing wealth, and the fertility of crops. While her mother's identity was ultimately unknown, like we've talked about, some speculated that Freya was the daughter of Hrithus, an old Germanic deity known as a goddess of peace and plenty. Hrithus uh, was tied to an archaic ritual involving a cart processed by the symbol Alec laying down of arms. Freya's brother and possible twin was Freyr, a god associated with wealth, prosperity, healthful weather, and male virility. He was often depicted with the phallus that was typical of fertility gods. In later life, Freya took Odor as her husband. Odor was a mysterious god whose name meant furious and passionate, as well as mind and sense. He would often be away, like we've talked about, for long journeys. Uh, with Odor, Freya had two daughters, Honos and Jersemi, whose names meant treasure. Much was uncertain about the identities of Freya and Oda. It was likely that Freya was another version of Frigg, like we talked about. The deity's various names and identities reflected linguistics, cultural, and mythological differences among the Germanic groups and told stories of these gods and goddesses. The North mythology that reemerged in modern times was not uh, canon canonical in the sense that authoritative version uh, that an authoritative version of it did not exist. Rather, separate traditions existed simultaneously, and mythic sources such as the poetic Edda often transposed these different traditions to one another. So a few facts about Freya, and this is actually the last that I have. Uh, uh, the British men was also later stolen by Lokli and recovered by Heinmal, watcher of watchman of the gods. It is unclear whether the weekday Friday, like we've talked about, is named after Freya or Frigg. Uh, one theory has it that the word Friday in Germanic languages comes from Freya, a proto-Germanic goddess who is the foremother of both Freya and Frigg. Freya had four nicknames, Horm, Seer, Gnif, Mardal. Freya allowed other gods to borrow her magical feathered cloak. In Old Norse literature, Freya is mentioned in Poetic Eda as the Pros Eda. Freya's brother, Freyr, is associated with fine weather and good fortune. He is said to be an ancestor of Swedish royalty. In her role as sorcerer or shaman practicing pre-Christian Norse magic, Freya's social status changed dramatically depending on where she was and whom she was with. In rural Scandinavia, Freya was thought to be a supernatural figure until the 19th century. Freya, or a variant of the name, is still a popular name for girls in Scandinavia countries. Alone in Norway, around 500 women have the first name Freya. Numerous places in Sweden bear Freya's name, many of them including uh, Freyjelordur, which refers to her sacred grove, uh, are in Upland. In Denmark, Freya is mentioned in the first stanza of the national anthem the line goes like this it is called old denmark and it's freya's hall previous plants were named after freya including 
Freya's hair, Polygala vulgaris. However, most were replaced with the name of the Virgin Mary during the process of Christianization. Freya has been compared with the Egyptian goddess Isis and the Greek goddess Aphrodite and Venus. Wagner included Freya in his famous opera cycle, The Ring. Freya has been depicted in several famous works of art, including the statue Freya by H.E. Freund, from 1821 to 1822, and the painting Freya and the Brishingaman by J. Doyle Penrose in 1862 to 1932. Uh, and I got all of my information from uh, gods-and-goddesses.com, uh, mythopedia.com and north-mythology.org but that is all i had for you on freya also i know that uh many people see her as a um lust goddess but there is very much more to that if you look deeper deeper into her history than just that mm. all right so, I am talking about Moonstone, not to be confused with Moon Rock, which is um, different. Moonstone is a sodium potassium alumin aluminum silicate of the Fieldspar group that displays a pearly and opalescent spiller. An alternative name is Hecatolite, which, you know, um, sounds an awful lot like Hecate. Um, its name is derived from a visual effect uh, sheen or a skiller caused by light um, within a microstructure consisting of regular uh, layers of different uh, field spar. Um, moonstone has been used in jewelry for millennia, including ancient civilizations. The Romans admired moonstone as they believed it was derived from solidified rays of the moon. Both the Romans and Greeks associated moonstone with their lunar deities and more. In more recent history, Moonstone became popular during the Art Nouveau period. French goldsmith René Lalique and many others created a large quantity of jewelry using this stone. The most common Moonstone is of the Orthoclus Fieldspar mineral Aldura, named for, for an early mining site near uh, Mount Adular in Switzerland, now the town of uh, St. Gutard. A solid solution of the field spar, the potassium field spar, also produces moonstone specimens. Deposits of moonstone occur in Armenia, mainly from Lake Sven, um, Australia, and the Australian Alps, Mexico, Madagascar, Myanmar, Norway, Poland, India, Sri Lanka, and the United States. Uh, moonstone is the Florida, Florida State gemstone, and it is and it was designated as such in 1970 to commemorate the moon landings, which took off from Kennedy Space Center. Despite it being the Florida State gemstone, it does not naturally occur in the state. Moonstone is composed of orthoclast and albite, two species from the Fieldspar group. Rainbow moonstone is a name often given to labradite in a white matrix. Moonstone is a third anniversary gemstone. Um, so, uh, Moonstone Associations, Chakra, the Third Eye, and the Solar Plexus, Birthstone, June, Zodiac, Cancer, Libra, and Scorpio, Planet, obviously the Moon, Element, Water, Vibration, still don't know what that means, number four, 
typical colors, cream, yellow, blue, gray, peach, and pink. Um, you can also have the, like moonstones mixed with like other stones. So like the moonstone I have um, also um, has peridot with it. Um, so healing with moonstone, happiness, like it means happiness, good fortune, nurturing, mothering, unselfishness, humanitarian, love, hope, spiritual insight, easy, um, helps to ease childbirth. Like to see how that one works. Safe travel, new beginnings, abundance, and ancient wisdom. A stone for new beginnings. Moonstone is a stone of inner growth and strength. It soothes emotional instability and stress and stabilizes the emotions, providing calmness. Moonstone enhances intuition, promotes inspiration, success, and good fortune in love and business matters. Moonstone aims in the digestive system, assimilates nutrients, eliminates toxins, and fluid retention. It alleviates degenerative conditions of skin, hair, eyes, and fleshy organs, such as the liver and pancreas. It stimulates the penile gland and balances hormonal cycles, being excellent for PMS, conception, pregnancy, childbirth, breastfeeding. Moonstone is also beneficial to men in opening the emotional self. Now, I would like to also say that please, for the love of God, don't eat a rock. Um, I'm not a doctor, but eating rocks is not good for you. And generally what they mean when they say that it helps with all of this stuff is that like you're carrying it on you, not in you. <laughs> so that Winston um, has many roots uh, and many like stories about it. So I'm gonna go over those right now uh, from Hindu roots. Moonstone is the sacred stone of India. During the earliest traditions, the gem was said to have been embedded in the forehead of Ganesh, the four-handed god of the moon. Since the beginning of time, it was written in Hindu mythology that moonstone is made from moonbeams, thus its luster. The magnificent gem is never displayed outside for sale unless placed on a yellow cloth as yellow is a sacred color. According to other legends, moonstone can give gifts of prophecy and clairvoyance to the, uh, to the wearer. It could also clear the mind for the wearer to welcome wisdom, but to unlock the ability, moonstone must be placed in their mouths during the full moon. Um, once again, please don't eat rocks. Um, glorified in Greek and Roman mythology, since moonstone looks a lot like the moonshine, ancient Romans believed that it was formed from moonlight. If you look at the gem closely, you'll see a dance of light that lurks in the inside of the gem. Ancient Greeks merged the name of the goddess of love, Aphrodite, and the goddess of the moon, Selene, and christened moonstone as Aphroslane, while the Romans believed that the gem exhibits the image of their moon goddess, Diana. It is also known as an aphrodisiac, and when worn by two people, they will fall passionately in love when the moon is high. Moonstone was once called the Traveler's Stone, as it is said to protect uh, those who travel um, at night, especially at sea. It is said in Asia, in an Asian myth, that the most beautiful blue moonstones are brought by the tides once every 21 years. The gem was used as amulets and hung in fruit trees to attract abundant crops. They also use moonstone as good luck charm and a powerful cure for insomnia. Another ancient lore describes moonstone as a talismanic gem of winter and a phenomenal gem to be worn on Mondays. Ancient a Asians believe that the moving light inside the gem is live spirit. Moonstone is given as a customary wedding gift for the 13th year and every 13 years after that, as they believe that the gem can wash away the negative connotations of 13. 
And famous, one famous legend from Vedic history talks about the battle between Vishnu and Bali, the demon god. When a Vishnu broke Bali's body into pieces, the parts that fell on earth turned into different jewels. The sparkle in his eye turned into um, Chandrakanta, or what we know of as Moonstone. In Eastern cultures, um, lighted gems such as Moonstone indicate good luck. The ever-changing white reflections on its surface with gemologists call um, adolescence seem to suggest a powerful good spirit dwells within. As I said earlier, in India, the Moonstone was considered very sacred. Merchants couldn't display the gem without that, like without it being on yellow cloth because it would be considered disrespectful. So Moonstones and meditation. Mystics um, the world over used moonstone for meditation purposes. The moving inner light made a good focus for meditation. Some believe the stone had a calming influence and could assist those wishing to enter trance. Um, the moon and moonstone symbolism. As the name suggests, moonstone is closely associated with the moon. Therefore, some consider it an alternative birthstone for those born on Monday, the moon's day, due to its lunar association as well as its aforementioned popular purported calming influence. This gem is considered an excellent aid for those who tr with trouble sleeping. Magicians would plan to use the stone according to the phases of the moon. For spells of, of increase, they used it as the moon waxed. For spells of decrease, they waited until it waned. If planted in a garden under the full moon, some believe the moonstone would increase the garden's yield and fertility. Since the moon influences the waters of this planet, some regarded moonstone as an excellent protective talisman to wear on sea voyages or while swimming. Also considered the lover's stone, since the moon renews itself every month, some supposed moonstone could help wearers regain or retain more youthful appearance and bearing. The moon's romantic associations were also reflected in moonstone lore. Those seeking their true love could follow some instructions. First, hold the gem in your hand during a full moon and envision your love coming to you. Next, carry the stone with you until the next full moon for the spell to take effect. Lovers often exchanged Moonstone, especially after quarreling, to help restore love and tranquility. So Moonstone is a variety of field farm. Uh, moonstone is a mineral of the Arthroclass field spar group and is composed of uh, potassi potassium aluminum silicate. It is distinguished from other similar stones by the presence of um, the iridescence. Though the stone has optical qualities similar to that some of labradite stones, um, Labradite is actually a plagioclass uh, field spar. Resmund stone obviously is an arthoclass. Um, the di biggest difference being that um, Labradorite is composed of calcium and sodium, and the moonstone is composed of potassium. Moonstone exhibits the optical phenomenon known as a dualescence. A is the optical phenomenon that causes the extraordinary glow on the surface of the moonstone. The light moves across the stone, much like moonlight would glide across a large body of calm water. The, this happens when light reflects off the thin layers of different field spar minerals within the stone. The layers act as a diffuser, softening the light and allowing it to bounce around the stone. Moonstone is soft and can break as like typical of most uh, field spars. Um, even though Moonstone ranks between a 6 and 6.5 on the Mohs hardness scale, it can be prone to breaking due to the cleavage within the stone. Cleavage is the tendency for a stone to break along its planes or layers. 
Muslim jewelry usually takes the form of earrings and necklaces since they're less likely to receive hard blows than rings. Since moonstone has been becoming more popular, some designers are creating moonstone engagement rings. If you opt for a moonstone engagement ring or ring you'll be wearing often, be sure the stone is sufficiently protected. You'll want the stone set deep into the setting within a diamond or another jewel, halo protecting the outside edge. So that, though this helps protect against damage of the, the side stone, it will not protect the top. Moonstone requires special care when cleaning. Um, ancient cultures coveted moonstone and created origins for the stone as spectacular as spectacular as the stone itself. Many believe the stone is created from moonbeams. Others strongly associate the stone's powers with the moon. The stone is especially prized during a full moon. Moonstone is thought to bring a, uh, its wearer good fortune, feelings of love and affection. History of moonstone and modern jewelry. Uh, moonstone found its way into jewelry throughout history, but it wasn't until the early 1900s the stone became an iconic and important focal point in the years preceding the Art Nouveau era. Moonstone was often used as a small accent stone. Some, ma some man in the moon pieces existed, but those were rare and less common. Artisans like René Lalacue brought an, on a powerful change with the Art Nouveau and arts and crafts movement. Natural mystical stones with unique properties were favored over tra traditional glitzy stones. The Art Nouveau period was short-lived and the Art Deco movement was soon to follow with heavy emphasis on diamonds and precious gemstones. It wasn't until the 1960s that Moonstone came back into fashion. Moonstone is confused often with opalite. Opalite is a man-made glass that is made to look like opal and moonstone. This is a simulated stone that is not a natural gemstone. Some sellers will try to deceive with fancy names like opalite moonstone, sea quartz, um, or opalite quartz. The stone is even referred to as opalite crystal. It's not even a crystal. What's even more confusing is that opalite is cut in a very similar way as moonstone. You'll um, find it in the Cabochon shapes as well as carved into figures like moon. Moonstone metaphysical properties. Moonstone is a healing stone that has been connected with water zodiac signs. Some of the healing properties associated um, with this stone include enhanced intuition, uh, maker makes wearer more accepting to change, alleviates fear associated with change, balances emotion, promotes a calm mood, encourages peace, harmony, and balance, improves confidence, and helps the person become more passionate. Uh, moonstones can be faceted. Most moonstone is, is cut into like the kabochan shape, like the diamond shape. Domed um, kabochan highlights the stone's um, adolescence and opaqueness. In recent years, more designers are experimenting with faceted shapes, yielding good results for more transparent varieties of the stone. Um, since moonstone is a softer opaque stone, it can be carved into unique shapes. One of the most common shapes is the man on the moon face. This face has be been incorporated into jewelry since ancient times. Carving a moonstone takes skill and expertise as to not chip the stone along one of the planes since the moonstone is prone to chipping. Gem cutters need to be careful with how intricate and fragile their designs become. The griddle of the moonstone is never thinned out into a diamond shape. Even faceted moonstone gems are cut with thick girdles to help prevent chipping. Rainbow moonstone is actually Labradorite. Despite its close relation, rainbow moonstone is actually a transparent version of Labradorite. Both moonstone and rainbow moonstone uh, exhibit a dolorescence, but a rainbow moonstone has blue or rainbow tones on a transparent stone. Regular moonstone has soft white or gray undertones on an opaque stone.
I wonder if you took um, Moonstone and wore it with your um, Moldavite, if this would help um, keep you calm. You know, during everything. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> that's really all I had for you guys about Moonstone. Okay, well, that's all we had for you today. You can, as usual, always find us on our freaking Gmail at truenorthwitches at gmail.com. And please don't forget, I'm going to sound like a broken record by the end of it. You're going to hear me sick and tired of it. Please email us your spooky, creepy, weird, odd stories and any questions you have for our non-witchy other halves to truenorthwitches at gmail.com. You also find us on Facebook at True North Witches. On the uh, Twitter, where we never do the tweety never thing. Never tweet. No, never do the tweet At True North Witches. You can also find us on TikTok at True North Witches. You can find us on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash TNW podcast. Or you can just search us up in the search bar at True North Witches. Um, you can also find us on, did you say Instagram? No. You can find us on Instagram at True North Witches. <laughs> you can find us on YouTube at True North Witches. And if you move over to the True North Witches uh, on our YouTube, we can actually be posting full edited video versions of these onto our YouTube. But at the moment, we're stuck with just 15 minutes. So please up our views up our subscriber count so that we can do even live videos for you on our YouTube because we would love to be doing that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Website, haha, <laughs> we have a website, com. And Steph and I still have that um, little bee under our bonnet and we really, really do want to share it with you but um, for those of you who are invested in it, uh, we will be announcing something extra special in seven weeks on our one year podcast with our other halves. So please stay tuned because um, there, there's something, something special in the works. We have been evil yeah. little witchlings um, devising plans. So um, please stay tuned. Um, anyway, that's all we have for you this week. Uh, tune in next week. I think next week is the start of April, so we will be starting a new topic. Um, and we, yes, will we will see you, and we will definitely see you then. But you have a wonderful week, witches. If you need to hear our advice uh, any any earlier than a week, you can always direct message us at any one of our social medias or email us but in the meantime you have a wonderful week witches uh and we will see you in the next episode but before then we say blessed be merry meet and we'll merry meet again yes bye blessed be bye bye